Let us now pray and ask for the Lord's blessing of the preaching of his word. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we call upon you to mercifully grant us that we may both perceive and know what things we are to do in response to your holy word. By your spirit, grant us power to fulfill your will here on earth as it is in heaven. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and nearest kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as a reminder, and I know we have some visitors here with us today, from the seasons of Advent through Pentecost, I preach on the gospel reading. And the reason for that is we are Christians, and we are called to be disciples of Christ, which means we need to study Christ, study His Word, study His life, so that we may truly be His disciples. Our text today is from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43. Let us hear the words of God. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Every day we prioritize our lives according to what we believe reality is. Our view of reality drives our actions and desires. From the Garden of Eden until the end, Satan, the great deceiver, will attempt, and has attempted, but will continue to attempt to entice us to create our own reality. The folly of our own reality is that it exists in our own imagination. We deceive ourselves that we can define truth and reality. Even for Christians, we must scrutinize who sits on the throne of our lives. Do we live in the reality that Jesus is the King? That King Jesus is the only way for our sin and guilt to be forgiven? Do you live in the reality of Psalm 2, verse 12? Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. 
Also, in Daniel 7, beginning in verse 13, it says this, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. We've already been reminded in Advent, Christmas, and so far in this Epiphany season, that at the time of Christ's first coming in the flesh, that there were many in Israel who did not desire for Jesus to come. They did not desire to submit to God's truth that Jesus is the king. Herod did not want or long for Jesus. What about the scribes and Pharisees and priests? Did they want King Jesus? What about all those in the gospel who left Jesus when they didn't like what Jesus taught? Several examples we see are in John chapter 6, verse 66, and in Mark 10, verse 22. Every day, both outside the church and within the church, people make decisions to live a life of self-deception in regards to living in accordance that Jesus is their king. Today, we can look all around and wonder why our world has become so detached from a sense of reality. Whether you call it clown world or crazy town, the result is the same. People are living within their own self-deceptions. They believe that their own imaginations have created reality. But they are living a lie in the midst of the truth that Jesus is King and that the triune God has created all things and is the sole determiner of reality. Everyone here is confronted in our daily lives with temptations to place ourselves on the throne of truth. As Christians, we must live without deceit. What drives your daily life? What do you desire? Just prior to our passage today, we see that John the forerunner is standing with his disciples near the Jordan, and Jesus passes by. And he said this, with his disciples right there. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now John's disciples had been listening to John and knew that they needed to move away from being disciples of John and to become disciples of Jesus. After John's declaration, they simply left John and followed Jesus. Jesus sees them and turns around and asks, What do you seek? How do they reply? Listen to this answer. Where are you staying? For us, it seems like a very strange reply. But these two disciples of John desire to dwell with Jesus. Jesus invites them and says, come and see. Jesus offers to be seen and to be known. After spending the evening with Jesus, Andrew is really excited. And so what does he do? He runs and finds his brother the next day and he says, We have found the Messiah, the Anointed One, 
And Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. Now we see here in this, in this place that Andrew is the first recorded preacher of the Messiahship, that is the anointed one, of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, this really shows us and demonstrates to us that those who have come to know Christ cannot bear for others not to be brought to the same knowledge that they have. You ever notice that? Someone who has been utterly and desperately lost. They come to know Christ, and what do they want to do? They don't know anything. They just know Jesus. They know that they were forgiven, and they want to run and tell everybody. And when someone brings them their, a problem, they don't have any deep theology. They don't have all the answers. They just know, hey, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's what we see here with Andrew. You know, Jesus calls his disciples not randomly, but with his purpose and the disciples' future in mind. We see this in the same narrative in verse 42 of John 1. It says, And he, that's Andrew, brought him, that's Peter, to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which translated a stone. The future tense of the name points to what God in Christ Jesus had planned for Peter. When God opens our eyes to come to Jesus, we repent and we've been made new. And He knows His plans for us. It is for His glory and our benefit. Jesus is shown here to be God when he changes Peter's name. You know, that's something that God does throughout the whole Old Testament. As he is establishing his covenant, as he is building the future, God comes along and tells certain people, I'm changing your name. You're a new person. And that name always has meaning. And here Jesus declares himself, as he does in so many other places, he demonstrates that he's God. And he knows the plans that he has. For what? For Peter to learn, to strive, to fail, and to be restored and made new after the resurrection. You know, it is a wonderful blessing to consider this because Jesus knows what Peter will become by the grace of God. And God knows that about you too. Again, telling others is a mark of a disciple. When we recognize Jesus as King and Savior, our response should be one of gratitude and motivation to share the truth of the forgiveness of sins and the deliverance from hopelessness. We should be inflamed within to draw many to Christ Jesus. You should desire that this task be undertaken in every possible way. Sometimes we lose sight of the great work of Christ in our lives. Our busyness and the clutter of life can distract us. Going to church and doing our daily liturgies can become detached from the great reality of the work of Christ in our lives. I'm going to pause right here and say one of the great things about what we do in our liturgy is every week, it doesn't matter how crazy your week is, if you come to the house of God, you confess your sins, and you are reminded of God's faithfulness to forgive you. So people of God, let me stress to you, if you're in crisis, that is not the time not to be in church. 
Why? Because of all this stuff going on, no, go to the house of God where you will repent of your sins. Not that you're not doing it throughout the week, but you will repent of your sins and you will be affirmed of God's faithfulness to forgive you. Stay faithful to coming to the house of God. If you consider your daily sin, confess it and rejoice in Christ's forgiveness. Gratitude and joy should overwhelm you and inflame you to bring others to Christ. And of course, you know, right now some of you are saying, wait, you know, I'm a mom and dad and I got kids climbing all over me and it's, it's all I can do. Well, part of your mission are your children, are your spouses. And be open to whomever God brings along in your path. And sometimes you say, man, I'm at, it seems like I'm at the house almost all the time and I'm not really coming into contact. Well, if God's not bringing people to you, stay focused on the people he's placed before you, your family. But you know, maybe not so much in the winter, but other times you'll see your neighbors. You'll be in other places. People will call you or ask for advice because they're struggling. And that is when your joy, both to your children and to Others God brings in your path should overwhelm you. I've got to tell them about Christ Jesus. The next day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said, Follow me. The scriptures tell us that Philip is from the same town as Peter and Andrew, Bethsaida. It could be that Peter, excuse me, that Philip is also a fisherman. The town's name, Bethsaida, means house of fish. They were doing so much fishing out of that town. The, the town's name was, man, this is the house of fish. This is where you go. It's where all the fish is coming from. We see that throughout the scriptures that the sea and sea creatures are understood to be the Gentiles. And, of course, uh, Nazareth, Bethsaida, Galilee, that was a mixed multitude. There were both Jews and Gentiles all over the place. It reminds us that God calls Right? God calls these fishermen. And that his, his ministry has always been to both the Jews and the Gentiles together. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it is clear that Jesus will fulfill the call of Israel to be the priest to the Gentile nations. Salvation comes to all peoples through Jesus Christ and his church. Philip, like Andrew, wants to share the good news that the Messiah has been found. Philip goes out and he seeks Nathanael. Now, sometimes God's going to do this. You're going to recognize, you know, the Lord has brought deliverance to me in my life in this way. And you're going to say, oh, so-and-so is struggling with the same thing. Right? Go and seek them out. Make a plan and go. It says in John 1.45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip points out that Moses prophesied that Jesus would come out of the midst of Israel. And of course, you remember John the baptizer. What does he say? He says this. He says, There's one among you in your midst. If we see this, if you turn to... Deuteronomy 18, beginning of verse 15, it says this, Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. 
Him you shall hear, according to all you desired of Yahweh your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Now in this story at the mountain of Horeb, God is speaking. And the people of Israel, even though God is speaking His mercies and His covenant promises to them, they are scared. They're afraid. And they're like, we don't, we don't want to go there. Moses, you go talk to God. And, and there is this place where Moses brings the elders and they eat before God at the, at the edge of the mountain. But after that, they're too afraid to talk to God directly. Why? Because they recognize their sin. Their, their sin was exposed before them. And, and they say, we don't want to talk to God. And God says, you know, this is good. What I'm going to do, and of course this has always been his purpose, but he says, that's right, I'm going to bring up one among you. What he's saying is, I'm going to send my son as a man in the flesh, and he's going to come out of the midst of where you are, and he's going to go through everything you go through, and he's going to give you the words that I command him, the words of life. Philip reminds Nathaniel that God promised to bring His Son in the flesh. And as, and as Jesus reminds us later in John, that to see Jesus is the remedy to being reconciled to God. And that Jesus brings the Word of God to all people. Therefore, you and I should listen to Him. Nathaniel replies in verse 45, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's not that Nazareth is on the wrong side of the tracks, or a less desirable town than Bethsaida. But it is the fact that Nathaniel knows that Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem. Both Bethsaida and Nazareth are in Galilee, a part of an area where there are many Gentiles. Nathaniel may have forgotten Isaiah 9 where it says, By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. God had spoken that he would bring the light out of Galilee. Now, this, now, here's a good point for us to remember. Sometimes, when we're trying to work through things, we can't remember what we've been taught. Right? That's another reason to come to church every week. Maybe another reason to come to Sunday school. Right? Sometimes we need others to remind us of what God's Word says. Have you ever had a person ask you a question of Jesus that you couldn't answer right then and there? Do not dismay. Be like Philip and simply say, come and see. What did Jesus say to Andrew? Come and see. What does Philip say? Come and see. Bring them to Jesus. Point them to the Word. Bring them to church. Bring them to Christians with more experience, and they will give them the words of God. Do not lose heart in these circumstances. As a pastor, I'll tell you, I see this again and again. And, and, and in reality, I mean, it happens to all of us in, in some sense. Somebody asks you a question, and you go, you know, I used to know that, but I don't know the answer. Right? Right, and then we get away from the person, and then we go, man, I should have said this, and I should have, oh, and that was the thing to their question. Right? Don't give up if you don't have the answer just then. 
Point them to Christ. Take them to Christ. We believe when we come into this place, we confess our sins and we enter into the presence of God. Bring them here. Do not lose heart. You can go and search out the answers, but make sure you are always pointing them to Christ. As one commentator explains, would it not be better to stammer ridiculously, like Philip, and to hold by the truth Christ than by eloquent and ingenious language to introduce a false Christ? Don't make stuff up. You don't have the answer. It is okay to say, I don't know the answer to that question. Let's go to God's Word. Let's call somebody up and get the answer. Don't present a false Christ. Don't become caught up in a situation and make up who Christ is. If you don't know, don't make things up. Go and get help. So Nathaniel went with Philip to Jesus. Nathaniel is about to have an unexpected encounter with Jesus. The scriptures tell us that Nathaniel is a man without deceit. In the old English it was guile. Right? You know, that sounds more ruthless, right? If you have guile, man, that sounds really bad. It sounds like a disease. Well, it is. It's it's sin. But it says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said of him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? That would be pretty obvious, right? If you were walking along and someone says, Hey, I know about you, your heart and the way you live and your thoughts. Nathanael is disbelieving and leery of Jesus' evaluation of him. We first need to know that Jesus' statement is not a declaration that Nathanael is sinless but rather that he is not a false Israelite. At that time, and still today, there were many pseudo-Israelites, that is, children of Abraham, but they lacked the faith of Abraham. Despite what is going on around him, Nathaniel lived according to the Scriptures and not in his own self-deception. So remember, part of that would have been when he sinned, he would have gone and made a trespass offering, a sin offering. Right? He would have worshipped God. He would have been trying to apply God's word in his daily life. So he was living according to the scriptures and not in his own self-deception. There was no deceit in him. He did not lie to others. Or how about this one? He didn't lie to himself. Jesus demonstrates that he does in fact know him. Jesus answered him and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now all of you listen, especially you children. Look up this way. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Kids, are you listening? Or where can I flee from your presence? Kids, are you looking? What does the child's catechism say to the question, Can you see God? Anybody know, heard that question before? Can you see God? No, the answer is, I cannot see God, but what? Say it out loud for me. But He always sees me. He always sees me. Do not be deceived. Children and adults both, do not lie to yourself. 
God always sees you. Many people who have been baptized, they come to church, they're supposedly living the Christian life, but they have deceit in their hearts. They live as if God does not see their actions or that God does not know their thoughts. If you've been living this way, come to the truth. Come to reality. God sees you and He has a standard that you must obey. If this is you, acknowledge your sin, repent, and serve King Jesus. So we need to respond to this truth as Nathaniel did. What did he say? He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel submits himself to Jesus as his teacher and declares that Jesus is the Son of God. Nathaniel hailed the Lord Jesus as King. We too must submit ourselves to Jesus' words of life. <coughs> we must hail Jesus as King and not claim the throne of our lives as our own. Jesus responded to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said, most assuredly, you know, this is his verily, verily, right? This is, this is the first time he brings this up in John. He's going to say this 17 times. This is truly, truly, it is the truth. And you know how God operates. God always does this. What does he do? A first witness and a second witness. And Jesus is like, I'm telling you the truth. That's the first witness. And Jesus, the Son of God over here, I'm telling you the truth. It's the second witness. He says this. You will see greater things than these. And he says most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, I will tell you this. Again, we come to another thing where Jesus is talking and you're kind of like, what is this? Where does this come from? What does this mean? Jesus' response mentions that Nathaniel is under a fig tree. In the scriptures, trees generally point us to the grace of God and thorns to his wrath. They're opposites. Trees form a ladder from earth to heaven, showing the grace of God which enables his work to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'll pause right here. This is why the Feast of the Booths, or the Tabernacles, that's why they cut limbs and built little tabernacles, right? Because they were, they were saying, okay, the glory cloud is up here. We're going to simulate by building this, these little tree huts that we're in the treetops and we're tabernacling with God, the ladder to God. Thus the trees show up repeatedly in Scripture in association with godly people. We see this with Abraham, Deborah, and Nathaniel. And to sit under a tree is to be under God's special watch care and also to be the one who passes judgment at the gate of heaven, which is, of course, at the bottom of the ladder of heaven. Now, Nathaniel is a true Israelite, believing and obeying God's word. Fig trees are a standard symbol for Israel. There must also be a true ladder. That true ladder is the Messiah. 
Jesus said to Nathanael, You shall see the heavens open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And of course, this reminds us of Jacob's vision of the ladder. Jesus is referring to the fulfillment of Jacob's latter dream in Genesis 28. Begins in verse 14, tells us this, Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and you and your seed, and in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Jesus is going to become the latter, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Jesus Christ. All the families of the earth are blessed because Jesus has come. He is both the ladder and the reconciler of men to God so that we are enabled to do God's work here on earth. So we too must come and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, beginning of verse 8, tells us this, O taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear Yahweh, you his saints. There is no, excuse me, there is no want for those who fear him. Psalm 34 goes on and asks the question, who desires life? We too are to answer this question, do we desire life? What is this? Speech, this is, these are the instructions. Speech without evil. Speak without deceit. See the correlation to Nathaniel? A man without deceit, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And there's this reminder that the eyes of Yahweh at the very end are on the righteous. Again, reminding us, just like Jesus saw Nathaniel under the fig tree, and God sees us all the time, that God's eyes are upon us. Psalm 34 reminds us of Nathan. Nathaniel's encounter with Christ. We're to have no deceit in us, for God sees all the moments of all our days. May you this day be decided to live in reality. Make no excuses, but live under the King. Not one of us has the right to adjust God's law. Not one of us has the right to adjust the gospel to our sin or the sins of others. We must not embrace the sin of self-deception. Often our sin is that we think we know what to do apart from God. We deceive ourselves because we say, well, I've got good intentions, but as it has often been said, the road to hell is laid with good intentions. Let us be like Nathaniel and joyfully declare Jesus as the Son of God and our King. As one reformer once said, listen now, Therefore, the magnificent riches of Christ are splendidly set before us to arouse a burning desire in us to pursue and enjoy them. Therefore, the goal of all the testimonies is for people to hasten to Christ, to desire Christ, to believe in Christ, and to dedicate themselves completely to Him and always to depend on Him alone. People of God, Jesus is the King of kings. 
He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is our only hope. Let us pray together. Father, help us to believe these things. And we give you thanks for giving us the King, for sending your Son who opened the way to heaven to communion with you. So help us to live faithfully as true Israelites with no deceit, living faithfully before you, proclaiming the truth with gladness, joy, compassion, and boldness. Help us in all these things that we may stand without fear. Deliver us from the evil one, for Jesus' sake, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.